listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tbcweb.com. Oh, good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. Hey, I know he said turn and meet somebody around you, whatever, but if you're by somebody you know, uh, or if you don't know them, that's fine too, uh, just turn and look at them and say, you look really nice today. And if you know them, then you can give them a hug and a kiss, all right? Come on, just tell them that. I know some of you are going, I just can't do it, that sloppy t-shirt and those shorts. No, you don't, you're not looking that good. That's all right, that's all right. You know, uh, one of the things I've come to realize about myself, and I think uh, I'm really no different probably than, than all of us, is that I am, here I am, I'm almost 63 years old, but I am a conglomeration of countless voices that have spoken into my life over the years in some significant way. Now, I only speak with one voice, obviously, just my voice, this melodious speaker's voice and all that, but, but I, I have all these voices that have spoken into my life. And it wasn't that I was impacted them, by them because they were necessarily loud or insistent or, or nonstop. You know, it was because they spoke to me maybe at a time and in a way that the impact actually lasted much longer than one might think over a short conversation. I, I bet every one of you know what I'm talking about. Like, I think back at a time, <clears throat> this was when I was a junior in high school. So this was, you know, we used stone tablets and chiseled on them and everything, so it was a long time ago. But, but I was a junior in high school, and I realized, I kind of woke up one day to the realization that I had no friends in school. I had, like, no friends in school. This was the result of something that happened, like, I think between 8th and ninth grade, I'd gotten a coon hound, and I started coon hunting, which is a nocturnal activity. And so, you know, all my friends now consisted of about four people. They were my dad's age, and they were all hillbillies with no teeth, and we coon on it at night. You know, that's, that's just all I had in terms of relationships. And so I said to myself, i gotta get, I got to get some friends. You know, i got to do this. And even at that young age, I knew that I was going to have to do something. People just don't walk up to you on the street and say, hey, I'm going to be your friend. And if they do, you probably don't want them to be your friend, right? I mean, they need medication, not your friendship. And so, so I knew even at that age, I'm going to have to get involved in something. So I'm thinking, what can I do? And, and I enjoyed basketball. I'd played a little of it in seventh grade, eighth grade. But then, of course, I began my coon hunting career. And, and I'd stopped it. And I thought, you know, well, maybe I could try that. The only problem, of course, was is that, you know, I was in a class A school. But I thought, what the heck? I'm, I'm you know, almost 6'5", and, and maybe I've got a shot at this. And so I went to the varsity coach, and I said, hey, what do you think about this? I was thinking about trying out for the team for my varsity year, or for my senior year. And he said, he, he looked at me, he literally just laughed at me. He goes, well, he goes, no. Uh, he says, I, I really don't think it's a good idea. He said, you'd be playing under some guys who are all state players. He said, there's just really, he said, I don't even think you'd make the team. I, I'm not sure it's worth it. But something in me was like, I'm not sure I want to give up quite yet, even though the coach that would have to approve me laughed at me. I thought, you know, is there somebody else I can talk to? And I remembered this guy. He was a teacher at the high school. I actually remember his name to this day, Mr. Michaud. And he, he was teaching at the high school, and he had been my, I think, my eighth grade uh, uh, basketball coach. And so I went to him, and I just said, hey, Mr. Michaud, this was, I didn't even have his class, but I knew where he was, and it was between classes. Very short conversation. I said, I was thinking about trying out for basketball for my senior year you think I have any possibility of it? 
And he looked at me for a moment, he was quiet, and he said, well, he says, you, you've got the height, definitely, and he says, you've got a big rear end, and that's helpful, and, and if you're saying, how does that help in basketball? Have you ever heard the term butt out? You know, well, that's, that, you use that in basketball, you know, that, it's a, an important thing. And so uh, he said, you know, you got those things going for you. He said, uh, he said but for you to make it, he said, you, you would have to, he said, you'd have to work like crazy, like crazy. He said, hours and hours and endless hours of effort to ever have a chance of doing this. And then he looked at me. This is the thing I remember so well. He said, are you willing to do that? And it seemed like the right answer. So I said, yeah, I, I am. I, I, I am. And then he just said to me, then I think you might make it. I think you might make it. And on those words, this was less probably than a five-minute conversation, but on those words that came into my life, that voice that came into my life from a guy I didn't really even know that well. I didn't have any kind of relationship with him. But based on his voice, I started, I said, well, then tell me what I should do. And so he gave me some very basic moves, and he said, you've got to work on these, Jeff, by the hour. He said, I'm not talking two, three, four, five hours. He said, I'm talking dozens and dozens of hours. You have to do this if you want to have a shot at it. And I did it. And I worked, and I worked, and I worked. And ironically, I actually made the team, and the crazy part of it is I played quite a lot in my senior year, even though, you know, I was coming on at the last minute and all that. I played, But the bigger thing that happened to me, I think, really was that conversation. It was like it etched something down on the inside of me. I'm sure you've had conversations like this. Because then I said to myself, in future things, well, maybe that's not out of reach like I thought it was. You know, maybe if I work hard at it, maybe it's possible that I could do this. And that conversation, I think, in many ways helped me because I didn't know that it was going to happen. But a few short months after that, I got into a, a fight with my dad and I left home and I had no prospects on how to make money to eat or to clothe myself or to be able to go to my senior year of high school, actually be able to afford a place to rent and all that. And I just had this thing in me that said, you know, if you work hard at it, I bet you can do it. And I did. You know, it's stunning to me, actually, when you think about it, how much influence a very short... I bet every one of you have a story like that. You probably have multiple stories of someone where you had this conversation and it was just the right moment and the right time and they said something like, I think you can do that. And then you did it. And it impacted, I mean, voices in our lives. It's striking how a single voice can have such an impact. Of course, I've had lots of voices speak into my life. I mean, countless. I have... I have no idea how many thousands of voices have come at me with different messages, some of them positive, some of them negative, some of them just, you know, whatever in between. Some of them were calling me to higher ground and leading me in the right direction. Some were calling me to a place where I knew was wrong, but sometimes, anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes, like a little duckling, I just went right after him to my regret and did the stuff I knew I shouldn't do. But I've had a number of voices that have had a profound impact on my life. Over the years, from the early days like those, even into recent days, voices that spoke and significantly impacted me. So, I say all this because I want to get you thinking, all right? Now I want you to think, who are the people whose voices have deeply impacted you? Who are those people in your life? Just think about it for a second. Who are the people whose voices have deeply impacted you in some way? In fact... I want to do a little test, all right? So on the way in, you were handed a little uh, folder, a little uh, piece of paper, a little handout thing. If you'd grab that, on there, there are three questions, and there's a place to fill in answers. I'd love to have you grab a pen or a pencil, 
and write your answers down. Now, I know a bunch of you are like, I never write anything down anywhere, and that's fine. But for those of you who are willing, I'm going to give you these three questions, and I'd like you to write the answers down. Here's the first question. You'll see it there. It's maybe on the back page of it or whatever. Which person's voice had the greatest formative impact on your life? So when I say formative, what I mean is in the early, early years of your life, the very most formative years of your life, who would you say whose voice had the greatest impact? For a lot of us, it's going to be a parental figure, a mother, a father. I wrote down my mom. Without question, she was the single most impactful voice in my life. Some may say a grandparent or a sibling, but write that person's name down on the piece of paper. Who was it that had the most profound impact on your life in the formative years? All right, here's question number two. What person is speaking into your life most powerfully these days? So these days, right now in your life, what person is speaking most powerfully into your life? Now, I understand if you're sitting by your wife, you may have to write two or three names down because hers will have to be in that list, right? And uh, if you're sitting by your husband, the same thing is true. But, but that's fine. Write two or three names. Maybe you say, well, you know, uh, it's, it's uh, this person I work with, and it's my husband, and it's, you know, whatever. Write down those names that have spoken most powerfully into your life these days. They're speaking into your life these days. And then here's question number three. What person do you believe should be the greatest voice in your life overall? Let me read it again. I want you to get this. What person do you believe should be the single greatest voice in your life overall? Write the name down of that person whom you believe should be the single greatest voice in your life overall. Whose voice is that? Write it down. Now, if you're willing, again, that's maybe about you know, 30% of you actually wrote something down. But if you did, why don't you just, if you're willing, just turn to the person next to you and share your answers with them. Let them see what you wrote and uh, you see what they wrote. Go ahead, just do that right now, real quick. I can see it right now because some of you are going, why is my name not down there? What is wrong with you, woman, or whatever, you know, I, I can see it. I, I've always said, and I know probably this would be a great discussion for you to take uh, in the car with you on the way home, but you can stop now, all right? Um, I always say, I would love to see the things that you wrote down. I would love to hear your story about who spoke when you were in the formative years, who spoke to you, is speaking to you now. And this is just a guess, all right? I, I, I obviously don't know this for sure, but I would bet considering that we're in a church, on that third question, which was, you know, what person do you believe should be the greatest voice in your life overall? I could just be wrong on this, but I'm guessing that a bunch of us either wrote God or Jesus. Anybody do that? A bunch of us did because, of course, we're in a church and that's what it should be, right? You know, especially if you're in a church. But for me personally, that's what I wrote. I said, Jesus, And it is because I really do believe that. I believe it with all my heart. Not just because I'm a pastor or I'm in a church, but because I can't think of another voice that could be or would be more important than the voice of the one who created me, who knows me better than I know myself. Actually, I'm not saying it because I always hear his voice clearly, because if I were being honest with you, I'd say some days I feel like I don't know how to hear from God. It seems so difficult. But his voice is the voice that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I believe is the most important voice that I would hear. 
And you understand, I'm not just, when I say Jesus, I'm not just talking about him because he's a wise person. You know, some people will say, well, I'm not really sure I believe that Jesus was God, of course, but, but he was a wise person. Well, here's what you should know about this guy that you think is a wise person. He actually believed that he was God. Those are his words. Take a look at this. John 14, 9 says, anyone who has seen me has seen, say it with me, the Father. You've seen the Father. If you've seen me, Jesus said, you've seen the Father. So in other words, he was equating himself right up there with God. He said, I, in effect, am God. And that is what I believe. And I know some of you would say, Jeff, I'm not really sure I believe that Jesus, I'm not even sure I believe in God, but let alone believe that Jesus is God. So if you could just for a moment set your disbelief aside and just think about this for a second. All right, I understand. I respect you. See, I'm not sure I believe that, you know, that Jesus got in all that. But if you just set it aside for a second and just answer this question, how, how did Jesus have such a profound impact on the world? Someone who lived 2,000 years ago, that it still has this impact. To, how did that happen? I mean, just... Just historically, how could something like that happen? I love an essay. Some of you have heard this. It was written by a guy whose name was James Allen Francis, and it was written a long time ago, but it's so powerful. It's called One Solitary Life. Some of you have heard it, and I'll just read it to you because I think it has such riches in it. He says, here is a man. He's talking about Jesus. Here is a man who was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman, he grew up in another village. He worked as a carp- in a carpenter shop until he was 30. And then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never owned a home. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never put his foot inside a big city, not a truly big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born and never did one of those things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. And while still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies, went through the mockery of a trial, and then was nailed to a cross between two thieves. And while he was dying, his executors gambled for the only piece of property that he had on earth, his, his coat. And when he was dead, he was taken down and laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. And then Francis writes this. Nineteen long centuries have come and gone, and today he is the centerpiece of the human race and the leader of the column of progress. I am far within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever marched and all the navies that ever were built and all the parliaments that ever sat and all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as that one solitary life. And that is true. You can deny the deity of Jesus Christ. You can say that he was just another man. Maybe you think he might have been a wise man or a good prophet. But you cannot deny that he has profoundly, profoundly impacted the world. And this guy, whom really was in an obscure area, has hugely influenced and changed the world for 2,000 years. And that changing continues to go on. I mean, you think about this. Just think about this. The guys, the men and women, the people who were the genesis for what today we would call the Christian church, it was a handful of people. 
And if they were anything, they were a ragtag group. Let me tell you, they were a rough, uneducated group of people, and they had no plan. It's not like they'd hired a publicist to work out some kind of a strategy so that they could get, have a television platform and they could deal with social media and do it all right so that they could get their name out there, they could grow their organization. I mean, these are a, these are a bunch of uneducated people that didn't know anything about anything. They were rough. They were, yeah, I mean, you think about who these people were. Think about him. My gosh, Peter, he denies, you know, he's supposed to be like the guy in charge. He denies that he knows Jesus three times in the clutch. The rest of them ran away. One of his guys, one of his followers, the inner group, betrayed him for money and then committed suicide. Talk about three strikes against you. How could that little group, this little tiny group of people, How could they have such a powerful influence on the world? And the bottom line it comes down to is that they had nothing going for them except that they had been so impacted by the words of Jesus and empowered by his spirit. And yet that has changed the world. And when you think about it, I mean, it's it's, it's almost unbelievable. The true church, really, The church is full of Christians who are broken, but the true church, it has never used force, it has never used great ingenuity to promote itself and to become something, and yet this thing has grown and grown, and it is worldwide. It's always been subversive and underground, and it's always been filled with flawed people who have failed countless times in spectacular ways. The church has had more... I mean, how many times in my lifetime have I heard people say, oh, you hear the latest church scandal, and it's like, oh, the church is going down the drain now. And this has been happening for 2,000 years. And yet here it is. It's crazy when you think about it. Here it is. The church still exists. I mean, just think about it. We're in rural West Michigan, in Barry County. And just one church alone that meets in Podunk Holler and then two other rural locations has thousands of followers of Jesus Christ. 2,000 years after he lived this obscure life, the church, and we're just this tiny fraction of the worldwide church. I've been all over the world and I've met followers of Christ who have the joy of Christ on their face and they were influenced not by some master plan that all got worked out by some people who figured out how to make a big organization, but it's all been done with broken people and messed up people and lives that don't have it figured out but here is the church of Jesus Christ. It still stands. Amen? Amen. And it's not less. And people say, oh, the church has lost its influence. It's, 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 it's going out. It's nothing. That is not true. The church has been through this so many times where there are ups and downs. But it's not our church. It is the church of God. Jesus is God. And it is his church. And that church continues on. And you have to understand what that means. If you're visiting this church and you want to understand what we, who we are and where we stand, here's the bottom line for us. This church, TVC, in its locations, all its thousands of people, this is the bottom line for us, is that we believe in Jesus. Amen? We believe in Jesus. Bottom line for us is we don't have it all figured out. We're all screwed up. We're all messed up. We all make mistakes. Come on. Amen on that. But we believe in Jesus. And we believe that he is the difference, the one that makes the difference in our lives. It is his words that have changed us. And we believe that he's God, 
not just a God, he is the God. And he is alive and he is well. This is not just something that happened 2,000 years ago. He is with us by his spirit today. He is present with us now and he touches lives. This is not mythology that we've decided to embrace. This is a reality that we know in our lives. And we're really not much different than the original ragtag group of guys that were so broken and so messed up and did stupid things all the time. We're the same way, and yet here we are. The only thing that we keep doing right in this church, in my opinion, the only thing we keep doing right consistently is we keep coming back to Jesus. Because in the end, in the end, that's what it's about. We keep coming back to Jesus. That is what it's about. And so you need to understand that what that means for us is, is that everything Jesus said means everything to us. Let me say it again so you don't miss it, all right? Everything Jesus said means everything to us. His words, the words of Jesus, are life-altering, and they will bring hope and help and life to confuse people, to people without hope, to people who are angry and beaten down, to people who are messed up. And they act, those words act as our guide over and over and over again. And some of you may say, I'm not sure I believe any of this. And brother, I question your sanity on all this. I'll tell you, I know there's a lot of people in this room and, and at our other campuses and watching online that are the same way I am. You may think I'm nuts, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> because I have experienced his love. I've experienced his words in my life. And it has changed me profoundly. And so I can say this. I mess up, I screw up. But I am all in for Jesus. And that's what we stand for as a church. We are all in for Jesus. Because I can think of no one whom has more power, more life, and whose words can make such a difference in my life. And, and yet I have to be honest with you. I mean, I'm, I'm all in for Christ. But there are days, plenty of days, when I wish he'd have made it easier. Does anybody ever feel that way? It's like, I'm following you. I'm going to keep working at this. But you could have made it a whole lot easier. Sometimes I feel confused by what you're telling me. Sometimes I just don't like it. Ever had that happen to you? It's like you feel like God's speaking something to you and you're like, I don't want to do this, this is crazy, I don't like this. But here's what I know, that however I've messed up, whatever I've done, however broken I've become, when I turn back in his direction, it's just right. I don't even know how else to say it. It's like when I turn back in his direction, it's just right. Because he is God, he is the creator. I think I can relate to the apostle Peter, you know, because he was, I can relate to him in a lot of ways. He was a guy that, you know, like my dad used to say about me, you enter the room mouth first. You never stop talking, you know. He's always, and Peter was the same kind of way. But Peter said something at one point, which I, I tell you, I, I love this. Jesus is teaching, and there's quite a group of people that have been following Jesus around. And then Jesus said something that was hard to understand. And some of his stuff is hard to understand. Sometimes it just feels like it doesn't make sense. And whatever it was, I don't know what these people were thinking, but there were a group of them, and they just decided, we're done. We're done. And so the Bible says they basically just walked away from Jesus. Now, if Jesus had been just a guy, a smart guy, if that's all he was, he would have been like, okay, I can't be losing any part of my platform here. So he would have gone after him and said, hey, guys, let me explain, all right? Let me just help you with this, you know, because I don't want you. But he just, I can just picture him kind of leaning against a tree, like. 
And then he does this amazing thing. He looks at the guys who are left, the other disciples, and he just says, you want to go too? This is how relaxed he is. You want to go too? And what I love most about this story is Peter's response. It is so remarkable because this is what Peter says. It says, Simon Peter answered him and said, well, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Can I say that again? He said, you have the words of what? Eternal life. He said, you have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you're the Holy One of God. And I say to Peter, amen, that's exactly what I believe. You, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. So where else would I go? Yeah, I'm going to screw up. Yeah, I'm going to make mistakes. Yeah, things aren't going to go the way I think they go sometimes. But you have the words of eternal life. And some people, and of course, I've been a pastor now for almost four decades, and I've watched lots of people turn and walk away, just like Jesus watched. But I can't. I can't do it. I can screw up and do regularly, but I can't walk away because he has, no one else that I know of has the words of eternal life, which leads us to this understanding. There is no other voice under heaven which, which, with we should give more attention than his voice. We should be listening carefully to the things that Jesus said. We should be paying attention. What did he say? Because he is the one who actually did rise from the dead. He is the one who actually is God. There is no other voice. And this voice, his voice, the words of Jesus, they have eternal life. They're the words of eternal life. And I can tell you that when you listen to them and you, when, when you respond to them, they change your life. And on top of that, I can, I can tell you that sometimes even when you do that, supernatural things happen. Things that you wouldn't even expect because his words are words of eternal life. So again, there's a, a story involving Peter. When he first encounters Jesus, Peter is a professional fisherman. Well, let's just read this story, all right? This is great. So it says, one day, Jesus is standing by the lake of Gennesaret, And the people are crowding around him, and they're listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. And so he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Now, you should know that Jesus later changed this guy's name, Simon, to Simon Peter. And so he got into the boat that was Simon's, and he said he asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down, Jesus sat down, and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Okay, uh, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now remember, Simon Peter is a professional fisherman, and Simon answered, well, Master, we, we've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. In other words, we know about fishing Jesus. But then he adds this, and I love this. He says, but because you what? Because you say so, he says. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets begin to break. They're professional fishermen. They know what's best when it comes to fishing. But what they learn is, is that the words of the one who really knows best are the words of Jesus. Amen? And that when you listen to those words and you respond to those words and when you give those words heed in your life, supernatural things will happen, unexpected things, things that you did not plan on. And I've seen this happen in my own life over and over and over. There have been times where I felt like Jesus was speaking unreasonable things to me. Like, don't ask me to do this. This is not fair. This is not right. And yet when I responded, I have seen him move in my life. His words have kept me. I believe that the joy 
that the consistency that I'm still here, they're the result of hearing the words of Jesus and responding to those words. They are the result of the words of Jesus. I really believe that they have saved me. I, you want to know the truth? I believe they saved my marriage. I believe that those words saved my marriage. I believe that those words saved my relationship with my children. I believe that those words saved me from becoming a nasty, bitter, angry old man. Now I'm just an old man, but I'm not so nasty and angry and bitter. Grumpy sometimes, but not nasty and angry and bitter. Because he would call me out by his words. Many years ago, God that I would have considered my very best friend, like one of the, like the, like the kind you go, this is the best friend of all time. For years we'd been so close and I, I moved away a little bit geographically so we weren't quite as close as we had been, but I would still say just one of my very best friends. And then I find out he's saying all these things about me, he's saying really mean, untrue, nasty things, and I validated that it, 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 these things had been said and I was so angry. You can imagine, right? It's like betrayal. I was so bitter. I was so angry. I'm like, this is not how you treat a friend. This is not how you... And I knew, in my head, I knew, I will never forgive him for this. Never. You do not treat someone that you have been that close to, that you've shared that much with this way. You do, that is total betrayal. I will never forgive you. And that's what I thought. And then, of course, I'm reading the words of Jesus. And he speaks to me, and here's like John 13, 34. He says, as I have loved you, so you. What's this next word? That word sucks right there, that word. <laughs> so you must love one another as I have loved you. And I'm reading this, and I'm going, well, I'm not, I, don't, I don't think I like this word here. And then this is a crazy thing. <laughs> is I'm like, God, are you talking to me about, and I mentioned the guy's name. And it was like, I heard this, God's never spoken to me in an audible voice. That would be so cool, but it's never happened. But it was like, it was so clear on the inside. I'm pretty sure the word he used was, yup. <laughs> you, you talking to me about him? Yup. You telling me because you love me and forgive me that I got to love him and forgive him? Yup. And it was just like, no! Unfair! He's not saying he's sorry. He's not sorry. He's done all this. This is wrong, wrong, stinking wrong. I should not have to do this. And I don't want to. But okay. Anybody know that feeling? This stinks, but okay. And I made the decision. I don't want to do this. It does not seem right in my professional opinion. But because you said so, I will forgive him. And anybody that knows anything about forgiveness knows that forgiveness, any time you hear somebody say, ah, it's not a problem forgiving you for that, then they didn't need to forgive you. True forgiveness is always a problem. Come on, is that true? It's always painful. It's always hard. It's always difficult. And the more severe the thing, the more, more difficult forgiveness is. And I remember going through this going, all right, I forgive him. In Jesus' name, I forgive him. And five minutes later, I'm thinking, I hate him. And then I'm thinking, I'm a horrible person. I learned about faith in that thing, that you forgive by faith. And so I just kept going back, no, I forgive him, I forgive him, I forgive him. And the words of Jesus in my life, this is what I can tell you in the end, they restored relationship because God humbled me and brought me to the place where I was to love like him. And they 
kept my heart clean. Because as someone said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison hoping your enemy will die. The words, the words of Jesus change everything. His words. So you want to know what we believe at TVC? This is real simple. When you follow the words of Jesus, you are following the words of God. And so what we believe at TVC is we believe, number one, we believe that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He is God. And the reason we believe this, because he, the one who rose from the dead, said that. He said that. We believe that. We also believe that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Amen? And you know why we believe that? Because he said that. This is what Jesus said, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, I am God. I am come to bring you life, to give you freedom, to help you find forgiveness and real life. I am that. And even though he's that, in this amazing thing, we also believe, and this is what's so crazy to me, is that we actually believe that he is our friend, not just God, not just holy and mighty. He is our friend. And do you know why we believe that? Can anybody tell me? Because he said it. This is what Jesus said. John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Stunning. Stunning. I've called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, he says, I've made known to you. I call you friends. These are the things that we believe. We believe this. And so what this means is, to us, that his words are everything. His words are everything. Incredibly so. In fact, let me show you what he said about his words. And it's on that magnet you were given on the way in. This is what he said. There, there, there it is. He said, the words I have spoken to you They are full of the Spirit and life. Now you just let that sink in for a second. The words I have spoken to you, Jesus says, the words I have spoken, they are full of the Spirit and life. These are not just the words of a wise person. These are not just good counsel in a difficult situation. These words are full of the Spirit and full of what? Life. They are supernatural words. His words mean everything to us. They change everything. His words. And what separates us is is that we believe this. We actually believe that his words make all the difference. In fact, so many people over the ages have been so powerfully impacted by the words of Jesus that in 1899, someone got the idea, hey, what if we made the words of Jesus stand out in Scripture by putting them in red? And so today, you will notice this, Many, probably most Bibles that you buy are going to have the words of Jesus put in in red. That's why we talk about the red letters. That's why we're doing this series, because they are the words of Jesus in red. Now, let me just be clear. There's nothing religious about the words of Jesus being in red. It wasn't like he said, oh, and one more thing before I leave. When you write the stuff I said, make sure it's in red, okay? It it didn't come off like that. Somebody came up with that idea, but I think it's a brilliant idea, and that leads us to this series. Red Letter Days. Through the summer of 2019, TVC is very simply each weekend going to take some red letters each weekend and we're going to talk about what those words, which are full of the Spirit and life. The words of Jesus are full of the Spirit and life. 
and we're going to talk about what those mean and how they can make a difference in our lives and how they impact us. And we're going to do this all summer long. And I would say to you, do not underestimate the power of his words. Because they're not just good words to live by. They are full of what? The Spirit and life. Don't miss the supernatural aspect of the words of Jesus, of God's word to us. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, the word of God is alive and it's active. Think about that. It's alive. It's active. And it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. There's something there. And so over this summer, over the summer of 2019, this is my challenge for you. Some of you, you're so dark these days. Your life is so difficult. You've bumped into some stuff that's just, you, you feel like you're in over your head. Read the red. Just try it. Just read the red. You're depressed. You're kind of sad. You feel like you've got this low-grade depression going. You can't seem to rise above it. It's hard to get up in the morning and, and you just want to sleep all the time. Listen, listen. Read the red. Read the red because there's something supernatural there. There's something powerful because his words are full of the Spirit and life. Read the red. And this summer, I know many of you, you're going to be busy. You're going to be going off and doing things you got all kinds of stuff happening in your life. I want to challenge you. In fact, let me just give you a, a little nugget of truth. You can be busy and still grow spiritually. That was really good preaching right there. I think you missed it. I'm going to go back now, all right? You can be really busy and still grow spiritually. You can be really busy and still grow spiritually. And one of the ways you do that is you let the words that are full of spirit and full of life into your heart. So this is my challenge to you this summer. Read the red. Now we want to we help you with that. In that handout that you got, that paper that you got, there's some things that you can do listed in there. A couple of them are just like online resources that you can use. Like there's one online resource where you can read through, and I think it's in 30 days, the Gospel of John. And then another one is where you can read through the Gospels over a 90-day period. And, 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 and you know what's so cool about the online stuff? And these are through a version, so you can download the version app on your, on your phone. And it's a Bible app. And you can go to these plans, and, and we've got the links in there. You can do that. But what I love about these, or if you say, well, you know, you know I don't use my phone that much, you can do, go to Bible.com on your computer, and you can do the same thing there. And get involved in these plans. But here, here, here's what I would say to you what's so cool about these. Is you can do them with friends. This is what's cool about it, is that you can actually, in fact, I would say if you're in a life group, do one of these together this summer. I challenge you to consider doing Do one of these together this summer. Just, just bring it up. Suggest it to the rest of your group. Because what's cool is you read it, and then you, you read the, you know, the little devotion part, and then you read the scriptures, and, or however it, it works, and then you can comment and you see what each other's saying. It's a cool thing. If you're a, a, a student, gosh, be a part of our fusion youth ministry and join with other kids and do this. It's just such a cool thing. If you're in a life group, do it. If you're not in a life group, get in a life group. They're powerful. And you can find out about them out at the next step area if you're not in a group. But do that. Now, I know some of you are going, Jeff, I, I, I can't do it on my phone because, um, you know, my phone, when I answer it, I have to flip part of it up and then I put... We even have stuff for you, all right? 
There are stone tablets out in the lobby. That was mean, wasn't it? But funny, right? We actually have old-fashioned paper. There's a table out there that says Red Letter Days, reading the red on it, and you actually can pick up a card that has reading through the Gospels, and it's 87 days, 87 chapters in the four Gospels, and you just read a chapter a day. You can do that. You can do that. Another thing we'd love to help you with is just to give you periodic reminders. So if you'd like to sign up for a texting thing that we're going to do over the summer, and that starts this week, and I think we have it, it's on the screen. If you text to 77948, just that those two words are kind of together, red letters. Now, I know your phone's going to try to make it into two separate words. Bring it back together. You You just text red letters to 77948, and you get signed up, and we will send you out. This is what we'll do. We'll, we'll only do this two times in a week. We'll send you out the words of Jesus. You know what I think? I think that would be a whole lot better than some of the texts you've been getting. Come on, have you ever opened it up and gone, what, what is this text? You pull it out, you look at it, and you're like, oh. These are going to be, ah, instead of, oh. So you just sign up for it. Sign up for it. And I've talked, we've done this kind of thing for years, and the people that sign up for these texts, they always, they'll come and tell me, that's great, you know, just a couple different times in the week, that's all, and it only lasts in the summer, during the season, and then it'll be over. You can do that. And the last thing we're doing is, you know, you got handed a magnet on, on your way, and I asked for one this morning because I, I didn't want to miss out. This is great, this has just got this verse, and each week we're going to hand one of these out. That you can put on your refrigerator, you, can put, you know, we got so much junk on the walls of our house and our fridge and stuff. I wonder maybe if we shouldn't have a few more red letters in those places because those words are full of the Spirit and life. And so we'll hand those out every week. My challenge. Let's open our hearts up to that voice which can change us in such dramatic ways that we'll never be the same. The greatest voice ever is the voice of Jesus. Would you join me in prayer? God, now, now in this time, we open our hearts and we say, Word of God, speak.